Welcome to episode number four of Developer Melange, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings you regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter via at devmelange, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. And as usual, we are very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. And now, here are your hosts. My name is Paul. My name is Christian. And I'm David. I would like to kick this off with a, with a little saying thank you to all these, these wonderful people at the HL who told us how, how wonderful our podcast is because I was really impressed how massive the feedback was. No, really? Really, yeah, yeah. About five people or something like this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really like it how, how people react on this, right? They're not like, yeah, it's a podcast, I don't know. They really try to, to drive you and give you positive feedback and, and we got a lot. They found it cool somehow, right? They didn't say it's perfect and uh, we all know it isn't, right? But they found it somehow somehow valuable what we do here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's from my side. Do you have something to add, Paul? Regarding our user base, we, we have here our latest download figures from SoundCloud and we are constantly above 30. So you talked with a sixth of our yeah. user base. <laughs> uh, when we did the recording of the last episode, we are constantly talking about the developer as a he and yeah. so maybe this time we can improve our our consciousness about I, I would say missing diversity in our in our industry or diversity that could be improved. Well actually it was feedback from Christian last episode, right? Yeah. I mentioned yeah. this after. The realization for more inclusiveness in our yeah. way of work, way yeah. of talking. This is what we I think it's learning actually, right? You really need to train this. I really tried to do this as as you said we should yeah, we should train our, our language a little bit and I think it will become better and better every episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but let's 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 kick it off with the first topic I guess. Um it's the, the good old question of, of duplication. Um and the topic itself became relevant for me again as I have seen a talk, I think one and a half years ago, from Rob Pike. I guess you know it. Yes, Rob Pike. Well, I know him because he is one of the creators of Go. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> and he has this talk about Go proverbs. Maybe you can go a little bit deeper into this. I think it's just some basic rules you should know as a Go developer. Somehow solid principles, but much more for Go, as far as I understood it. And one of these rules is a little copying is better than a little dependency, right? And this rule was, I think massively discussed on the internet um, and one of his arguments was that you make your program faster easier to maintain and simpler if you keep the dependency tree small I think we all agree on this somehow and he also said something like you don't I, I think he brought the UTF-8 example and he said you don't need to copy in a whole library or you don't need to have a dependency on a whole library if you just um, need to copy three or a few lines. Um, so he said, more or less, if you just need a, a, a little piece of a whole library, right, you can just copy a few lines of code. And you don't should be afraid of copying if it makes sense, right? And then I think, especially the, the NPM guys, right, they get, <laughs> they, they, got, they got really mad about this saying. And they said, this is just a symptom, right? Because we all know in NPM everything is a library, so you can just have an is positive module and check if a number is positive, right? And they said, it's more like Lego pieces, right? It's just, it should just be aggregation, because he brought some example where he said, this is just a small part and I don't want to have the whole library. And then they said, it's just a symptom, right? Because the library itself should already be aggregated by multiple libraries, right? And... I think this is a very interesting um, topic. Actually, also with, with microservices, you know, where dependencies can really slow down your development and stuff like this. And I thought a little bit about this, and, and my 
understanding was that it's not really about the duplication itself, um, because actually it's always a thread-off between duplication and dependency, right? That's that's somehow my feeling. You always have to make this thread-off. Do I need duplication or do we want to have dependency, right? You mentioned the NPM, so and if you think back to this NPM problem where this string function library was, was taken away from the repository, yeah, exactly. maybe that's really a good example there is maybe not such a big uh, need for for a string library to be really a library because the things how strings work and the things that you want to have from a string library are typically rather fixed. So you need a length and some padding and, and the regex blah. And yeah, so, so, yeah, but, yeah. so what's the reason for having a library if it won't change that much? You might get additional function, but... But I think that it's totally okay to have a library. That, that's what I, that's, that was my, my goal to come <laughs> during okay. this talking. So I think, it, that, because that's the, that's the example people bring, right? This is yeah. positive, is negative, this mini yeah. node, node libraries. And I think if something doesn't change, it's totally okay to make a library out of it, right? If you say... But is it just the other way around? No, I think if it doesn't change that often anymore, it, it you can just push it, right? Because then you need to spoil it and it's, it's working, right? Why do you need to... Because... Ah, I, so from that I, perspective. Okay. When, I, when yeah. I started to, to work in, in JavaScript, a few years ago, there was not really NPM thing, right? And, and what you had normally is you had some, some snippet library where you copied all your snippets. And I think it's totally okay to say, this snippet library is now NPM for me. Even if it's just a small snippet, I can still create a dependency. Because what's the pain? An is-positive functionality will not change. I don't have really any pain with this dependency, right? Yeah, but on the other hand, I can use this argument to say, and if it will not change, and I'm fine as it is, and I will be fine 10 months from now, I could even get rid of this dependency and just paste in the tree-shaken parts that I really need. Because I don't want to think about it anymore. While on the other hand, if I use a cryptography, a cryptography, for example, I want to have some library because I want to have fixes if something happened and stuff, and I don't want to have it in my source code. Could so it be the more, argument it, around more, as well? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't but know I think I get your argument as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, this would be the library of the small snippets. Was it what is then with the library of big snippets, which are not snippets anymore, but rather a whole set of things. I don't know, Apache Commons or what are the, the names of those. We have <clears throat> one in Java, for instance, you have one one jar which contains a lot of utilities mm -hmm. that sooner or later you need and for your project specifically you need of, I don't know, 100 classes, only two of yeah, them. So Apache Commons is a good example, I guess, right? And the, you only need a few of them in your in your very project. And now you have a dependency of that rather big thing. Yeah, but that's 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 what those NPM people said in this discussion about this Pike talk. They said, I mean, this is just a symptom because the, the modules are too big, but it's not a problem of a dependency. Well, at least from my perspective, mine being as... A, employee of a company with, with safety critical focus where we have to monitor and also well cover for our dependencies that we have mm -hmm. when we take in whatever dependency we have to verify that this one is fit for our use we essentially take over the responsibility for that and to be honest this would be the case in at any rate uh, be it an open source shop or a, I don't know whichever so company. you actually say you, you Duplicate it, and you, you, yeah. or what, well, what does it take to take over responsibility? Responsibility, at least for our customer. So, if 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 our product fails for some reason, and this is based because we were using some third-party library, mm -hmm. it's still falling on us. We cannot delegate the responsibility to the third-party library, most likely at most uh, uh, first and foremost, because the, all of the, all of these open-source libraries always have this nice license text. This is not fit for any use. Which is why we, as the provider of a system, take over the responsibility yeah, of that sure, this library works sure, sure. To, the, to, to the customer. So if we take every dependency that we take, whether it is a small one or a big one, we have to make sure that this is a right, right one for the usage. 
And the bigger those libraries are, the more work it would be, and even more difficult to argue if you use even less mm. of that library. And yeah, if it's like like the other way around of this previous argument, if the code that you need is actually so small mm. that because it's and it doesn't change because it's some universal universal law that you are trying to implement, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. perfectly fine to have it in your code business. Yeah, but itself. even if it's a universal law, but I don't know if it's somehow simple examples for know that is operation system, for example, operation system libraries, which tell you which operation system you're currently running, or if your console or your, your bash supports a color and, and stuff like this, right? These are really normally in NPM libraries which have about three or four lines. But still, if you use it in five programs, you don't need to to notice every time. You don't need to copy the, the stack overflow snippet all the time. You just say npm install this stuff and you have it, right? Yeah, maybe we should talk about what is what what, what if if we think about the whole spectrum of of having everything pasted from somewhere mm -hmm. into a, a single code base and having almost just only wiring of sub dependencies. So, what would be the benefit of the one end of the spectrum, and what? disadvantages and what would it be on the other side so why don't we want to paste everything in our code base so, so what's the, re the very uh, first reason to think about using a library or to put out something yeah. into a library mm -hmm. I think reusage right that's, that's why we do this yeah but reusage I think is is not an argument by itself. So why do we want to reuse? That's the question. Yeah, because it it removes complexity from our own software, I would say. And it makes it faster for us, right? Those are the two main reasons. Faster in development. Development, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> we don't have to we don't have to invent it. We don't have uh, write it ourselves, so we don't have to find snippets and see how we can introduce it into our code okay. base because okay. we have maybe a a more uh, standardized kind of interface. Yeah, okay. And on the other side, what about this just wiring application? Everything is in package and we're just putting them together to get our final application. Why don't we want to have this one? Because of the dependency hell, possibly? Yeah, the, 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 yeah not dependency, uh, rather library hell. As it was called, with yeah. all the diamond dependencies and everything, because you, you the, the bigger this ball is, the less likely it will be that all this those in indirect dependencies resolve to the same version. Or yeah, well, so NPM then, then has its dedicated it, tree, then and then yeah, you have yeah, yeah. four yeah. different yeah. versions of the same library exactly. as well. Yeah. Thousand characters long path. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and and I guess that's that's exactly the the problem. So what's what's your pain? What on what? Where do you want to put your slider? Yeah. Or? I think that's the... Yeah, that's a trade-off, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Sorry. but I think that's, that's... that's Because I always was very negative against those mini-modules, NPM packages, and then all this stuff, and I was like, why do you need a library for this, right? But, as mentioned, there was this discussion, and then this guy said, I mean, it's like, as you somehow phrased it, like... like Building, building your application on Lego blocks, right? Or you need you just npm install, right? So, and somehow I found it is a valid argument. Why not? What what speaks against doing npm install is a positive number, which is not that easy in JavaScript most of the time, right? Or going to stack overflow and copying the code into it, right? What's what's really the downside of doing this, right? So, and then I thought, then I thought, what's the pain with dependencies and the pain is when multiple people change it. That's that's for me always the issue, right? If you're doing microservices and then you have your logging package or your authentication authorization package and then one says, I've changed authorization and authentication, then you need to update 40 microservices, right? So wouldn't do you want this? And and, and mm. this was this was more the issue, right? But if you say okay, you have an um, um, simple mathematic um, library which doesn't really change it often anymore. Even if it's very simple, why do you need to copy it? Why don't you just do an install of dependencies? And with your with your example of the microservices, I believe to to be able to see it from a different perspective. The question 
I'm, I'm not proposing that the question is less, do I want to have many dependencies or do I want to have much code? For me, the question is now rather, whom am I giving the responsibility of my system? A, bit, a little bit holding back to my situation. If I pull in an external dependency, then I depend on that this external person, entity, whoever wrote it, does it right for my solution. I still have to filter it and figure out is this one mm -hmm. right yeah, for my usage. Know. At the end, I am still I myself are then responsible for the whole thing that I've uh, built. Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a question of trust then a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Trust. Uh, if you can if we can refine it to be trust, then yeah. So yeah, but this is then more a question: Do I use some external code anyway, or do I also uh, take a local people on Stack Overflow, solve something, and get my ideas from there, right? Or do I? I mean, do I don't trust the operation system I'm running on, for example? You can you can put it this uh, this far, yes. And so instead, so and I guess this is, although it seems to be a more subjective question regarding trust, I believe it's more objective than to say, okay, do I want to have more lines of code duplicated or do I want to have more dependencies? Because this, it to me, it feels more like a subjective interpretation of how much code duplication do I want or not. Mm. It doesn't. It doesn't have any more or less value. If I rather than think about how much trust do I want to express on others, then it becomes for me a little bit more objective because now you can more or less uh, argue on that axis. If I will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is surely different levels of of trust you can put companies, organizations uh, to. So maybe I will trust an operating system company maybe a little bit more than some open source developer right. out there on the internet. These are, for instance, also the, uh, some of the criteria that we have to uh, adhere to when selecting an, an external library. How much <coughs> following does this library ha have? How much current is it? These seem like normal uh, criteria that you would use yeah, anyway, sure. but it's more explicitly stated to consider that. We, we talked about pasting a code into our own code base versus using a library that uh, gives us the same functionality. But what about duplication within our own code base? Mm. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is an interesting topic because I think we've all <laughs> struggled with this already, right? Where you said, hey, this must be library. <laughs> Let's push it to somewhere. I, I follow here always this not this this duplication first approach, right? Not, not monolith first, so duplication first. So I would duplicate it as long as it's somehow possible. And if I say, okay, it really starts to hurt, it starts to hurt that microservice A uses this and microservice B uses this, and we always need to uh, somehow synchronize this because sometimes you don't even have to. Sometimes you need don't need new functionality in the old implementation. It's totally fine how it worked, and you just have it on two on two places. And if it really gets a pain, the duplication is then I would extract it. But I would never do it upfront anymore. I would not say this is so good we should extract it, and then you all can use it. Yeah. Right? Okay. So you're talking about something that evolves out of our own code base, and then we think everybody else should use it as well. Exactly, so, exactly. Okay, yeah, and I'm I, with you. Yeah. I also believe, I, I can't remember this talk from Rob Pike, um, I believe this was also his point, or I believe this is where, where his argument was coming from, to avoid having too large or in, in by themselves concise packages be dependent, one having one being dependent on the other one, uh, just because of one or two constants that would make more sense in the other package. And without having to have... A, third mini package that just contains these constants. Mm, I believe okay. this was coming from that side, that there are two large yet still concise packages, and one would have to have some sort of identical implementation that the other one would have. Yeah, but I, I think we should also differentiate, is it the duplication of knowledge? So for you mentioned constants mm. of literal values, or is it the duplication of behavior of of algorithms. I think that's maybe a good thing to consider. No, 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 I didn't get this point now. 
A Christian meant a situation where you, I you would it, need two constants, for example. I believe it was constants. could also be that it was short lines of code. I'm, I yeah, but I think, I think it's worth uh, discussing this difference. So is it about duplicating two values? For example, you need pi on the left and on the right library. Do you want to have a library that is just knowing what pi is? Hmm. Or do you have the definition of pi within both of those libraries and so duplicate it? I think that's one thing that you might want, might have. And the other thing is an algorithm. So computing the sign of a What's the difference? Uh, what's the difference between those two f from your perspective? Well, I Why does it matter? Uh, I think it's more likely, on, on the one hand, it's, it's easier to make sure that constants are really in place and, and are correct on, on multiple sites, especially mm -hmm. if they are natural constants, of course. But it might really get out of hand if you have two implementations of an algorithm and you change one without considering that you have it on, the, on another place as well. So I think duplication in know-how about some state is maybe not that problematic as know-how about uh, duplication of ah, know-how okay. of algorithms yeah, and implementations of them. So maybe that's a, another thing to consider. Mm -hmm. But but I want to go back to the to the very low level of, of codes within a single package or library. What about duplication here? Do we want to completely avoid by all means duplication here? Or do we can we live with two lines of code that are rather similar? I think we have to, right? <laughs> do we? <laughs> I don't know, yeah. I mean I see this is less critical than in a few years ago, I would say, this whole publication stuff. I think uh, I don't have that problem anymore. I think this is also this, this, this saying always, duplication outside of the bound economics, for example, is not really an issue. And I totally, I totally, I totally commit to this. I think this is re really true, because if you want to avoid every duplication everywhere, mm -hmm. it will just not pay off. Um, and then there is this common stuff I think you were talking now about. Yeah, I don't know, some, some extensions in C-sharp, for example, for full NQ, you can reuse everywhere and stuff like this. Yeah. And there is it more yeah, the, but, the but way the, that I don't see the real benefit of doing this, right? What's the benefit of, of really avoiding this duplication, right? It's, it's nothing, it's, it's, it's no business know-how you duplicate. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, so that's, that's an important part. So if it's just, like this, yeah. just a mechanic thing, like an extension method, for example, then you will get it right, probably, yeah, exactly. and, and so it's fine. To, yeah. to duplicate and, it and everywhere, I, no I need to use a library. But, but what about this domain knowledge about the, the business rules, uh, things that you implement f just for your project? I mean, this is out of discussion. Or this shouldn't be duplicated, I guess. Okay, I but mean, we, yeah, uh, I think so as well. But it's, I think that's okay, not so obvious for all the yeah, people. Yeah, but you don't, need an, you don't need a dependency to, to avoid duplication within one project, right? Yeah, you yeah, just sure, need sure, to write, sure. find a the right cutting yeah. or abstraction so but you can uh, when you think about you you call you calculate something and then you call the result of this or you put the result of this into another method call and you did three times just these two lines is it worth extracting a method ah, okay, okay. Uh, doing it so I think you uh, can really go down to the very yeah, line yeah. level and think about is it already somewhere in a similar on the other place you, you bring a, a different, in, for me, curious distinction between duplication of uh, infrastructure, I, I would call it now infrastructure code, for lack of a better term, and domain code. Yeah, exactly. Ah, and to, to which degree does, an, does, an, does any sort of code, it be now one line or a whole bunch of lines, represent infrastructural code or does it represent domain code? I, I think that's... Do you really I care about this? If it's infrastructure code or manga? Do you think there's so much difference in the application? I think exactly, it's... Exactly, because that would, for example, mean if you always need some entry point logging, exit point logging, 
trans transaction handling around everything, you can say this is infrastructure, so I'm fine to duplicate it. Yeah. But if I introduce another thing here and need some caching, I have to go everywhere again. I think I would phrase it more like this. It depends if it's equal or the same. Huh? Somehow like this. If it's just by coincidence the same thing, or if it really is Oh, yeah. One thing, so you it's know? really one single concept behind it. Exactly, this. and yeah. if it's just okay, it works here, same as it works here, but mm -hmm. it's not really the same, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Unique stuff. Guess, yeah. Then yeah. I think it's okay yeah. because then it can evolve over time, can can become different on the one side and on the other side. But if oh. it's really the same, if you yeah, <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of this DDD distinction between a value object and an entity. Exactly. Right? Yeah, I think that's. That's the, yeah. the underlying idea. <laughs> okay, but I think we we really discussed this in depth now, longer than expected, because it's such an easy and simple topic, right? Yeah. Avoid application, you don't notice. As it always turns out, nothing is simple. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I would jump off to this time. So do you have something to contribute to this time? This time? In the introduction, you... You mentioned uh, the Agile tour. Yeah. Yeah, so all three of us were there. I think it was a, for me, it was a really <coughs> interesting and great day. And uh, one talk I really liked especially, and that's not uh, sliming, but that was your talk. Slimy? Yeah, this, this, sounds, <laughs> this sounds too slimy, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> no, but really. So, so for our dear listeners that were at, uh, to the Agile Tour, David did a talk about micro frontends. You even mentioned it in episode one or uh, two, I guess. Uh, Hype-driven talk as uh, usual. From yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I was, not, I was not aware of that hype, and so I really learned new stuff, and it was, was very well done, and yeah. Liked yeah, it very thanks, much, thanks, thanks. but also other things were very interesting for it. Yeah. But you were also at the Socrates conference this weekend. Yeah, Christian, because I've never been there, and I would really huh? like to join it next year. Yeah. What is it about? So Socrates is the software crafting and testing conference, and it took. I think it's originated in Germany, and it it spread it around um, quite uh, quite a, quite some while in Europe. Yes, especially in yeah, Europe. Yeah. And, and in Austria, in Linz especially, it has been now the third time yes. where it was, and it's it's an open space unconference, and so I real really broad um, range of topics came up, and it was was rather interesting, I think. Yeah. So I proposed I was just one day there, and I proposed a session about talking about the value of using in-application feature toggles and what surprised us when we tried to do it. So it was a very, very narrow thing and I thought it would be over after 10 minutes because that was my expectation. I had not more to say than a few things, but people started showing up and then it got a real nice discussion about the whole thing of switching things off and why would you want to do it and so, mm -hmm. so it was really interesting. Okay. So in my case, this time, I'm, I want to, to talk about my recent visit to a Viennese museum, the, the Museum of Vienna, which had a dedicated ex exhibition about Otto Wagner, mm -hmm. which uh, the architect who highly influenced the Viennese architecture and buildings in the closing of the 19th century. And the, the most prominent, or at least for me, the most prominent, as I'm an avid public transport user are the, the buildings and all the architecture of the public transport of the nowadays subway lines. Mm -hmm. And there were also some, some drawings about the, the architecture and what struck me the most was a small little detail about the side railings that you see on, on, on the pavewalk and, the, and all the railway tracks on the sides that separate mm -hmm. the, the railway tracks from the, the from the pavement. Who, to anyone who isn't in Vienna or is in Vienna and doesn't know what I mean, it's ratings which are uh, quadratic in nature and have two diagonal uh, railings and a sunflower motif in the middle. And this goes on for for the whole um, for the whole separation. And what struck me was that in this design it was already defined how to scale. It's always quadratic, and if you need to space out some uh, longer or shorter distances, 
you would add either a quadratic or two quadratic elements okay. and or you would have just one vertical bar or three vertical bars or one vertical, one thick vertical bar in the middle and then two uh, thin vertical bars together and then repeat the whole process. So he had, he had on, the, on the design uh, various scenarios of just one tile or two tiles, two tiles with the thick bar, two tiles yeah. with the thin bar and so mm. forth. And then showing this with a few cases that uh, were drawn, you could see that this scales, to use our common term, for any, for any length that you can use. You brought it in connection to software development. I, I brought it, in, <laughs> and how did I bring it in connection to software development? Because of the, there are cases that we, when we experience, when we see or use an API that simply works in any capacity how we use it. It could be, for instance, a fluent API that you use for just some mm -hmm. short sentences. If you write a statement as a sentence, then take the Java Stream API, for instance. Or you you use this fluent API in a longer sequence and it still still makes yeah, sense yeah, in that. Yeah, I know what I mean. I guess. I mean, there's this there's this one part in the extreme programming book where Kent Beck, I think he says something similar. He says if you see patterns, you can scale them to different abstractions. So if you see a very low level pattern, you normally can scale this to a very high level concept. And I think he brought the example of 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 how the, the nature does this, right? You see small patterns very often on, I don't know, small flowers and you see them on, on whole mountains or stuff like this, right? On whole landscapes. And they always reuse these patterns. And he says it's not it's not that you should always try to reuse patterns, but it's very often the case and I think mm. this is somehow related to this. Yeah. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, also the the thing with uh, with fractal geometry yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Koch so curve that's and what stuff he, like yeah, this exactly. yeah so said, yeah exactly mm. so this was my 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 revelation in a museum of architecture uh, cool. well my part for this time uh, I like I like to do I like <laughs> to tell you this now because I think Paul it will totally kill me I will I will make it as as clickbait as possible. I think it's test-driven design, not test-driven development, because I think everybody who has this feeling when he does TDD and at some point found out, well, this is really more about design and development than I have to block and say, it's test-driven design, idiots, not development, right? And I also had this experience a few weeks ago when I created my tests of front design more and more often do this now and I really normally do it in a way already that I create my tests and inside the tests already I start the implementation and then extract it and extract it and extract it and at some point your tests really drive the abstractions right your tests really drive how your code is structured and, you, and, and then I say I understand all these people right who are so totally annoyed if people say it's test driven development right because it could be also test driven design but this was more a joke, right? For me, it doesn't matter if it's design or development. But I think this was really a very interesting moment for me because for me, it was more always test-driven development. It was, okay, writing tests in front, doing the implementation, but not really getting this, this outside-in or inside-out design, right? What you normally or what you can achieve by really doing it. And this was really, really interesting. And I understood a few things. I heard from people because you see if you give in test-driven design is or the TDD is not test-driven development you f I think you find 20 or 50 blog posts right and I think this was mainly written by people who made the same experience at some point in time who saw oh yeah it's, it's a little bit more even right I think all the, yeah. the cool guys like like um, <coughs> Kent Beck of course they already all know this right but if you yourself make this experience it's easy to to, hmm. to tap in this in this sense, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's I totally get right. the point design. that it's test-driven design, but it's it's not forbidden to think about yeah, totally. to being uh, test-driven no, no, development. I, I just had to laugh because <laughs> we, we talked about this a few episodes ago, I think, in the first yeah. or the second, and then I said, yeah, there's people who say test-driven design is not, uh, TDD is not development, it's design, and I said, no, oh, I understand why those people think it's so important to, to find mm -hmm. a word in the end, but yeah, I, I also don't care, it's just TDD. Yeah. <laughs> Some DD. I just wanted to share this this very yeah. very cool moment of my life where I found out that it's not 
development. It's more about design, maybe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, this was this time for this time, I guess. And we jump to the next topic. I think it's yours. For the second topic, I want to bring up the title Development Schools, which was initially called or pitched as Development Methodologies. And I wanted to differentiate with what I meant with that. So there are different development methodologies. I mean, the difference between those building the right thing and building the thing right, I want to focus on the latter ones, on the second ones. So those that you build the thing in the right way. They do not necessarily provide a process from the manager's point of view, but rather an, an ethos, if you will, for the developer, i.e. How, how do you implement something? How do you go on with your daily work? You, you could still frame it as sort of a process, yet still mm. it's more like what's your conviction, how do, how do you mm. approach it, mm. which is why I uh, declared it now as a development school. Or it could mm. be that there is a proper title for that. I'm not sticking to that one for now. So what would I see as a development school? So the classic one would be the what's often called the rockstar developer, who is a lone ranger. And in this classical way of thinking would be, it's just one person that does not want to cooperate, that doesn't want to be told something, doesn't always thinks they are the they are in, in the right. Yeah. So this would be one school, rough, uh, roughly. Another one then comes up the extreme programming school, if you will, mm -hmm. where it's all about cooperative uh, approach, where you have the practice of pair programming, where you have the the continuous uh, changing, refactoring yeah, everything, yeah. Where, you, where you lose the uh, mentality of this is my code and mm. replace it with this is our yeah, code, let's so make it the best of code ownership. Yeah. Collective yeah, code ownership, yeah. So this would then ask for another one that is then the, the code crafting, which brings or seems to take it to another level. We're not just uh, trying to cooperate in on the software itself, but also make ourselves better and take it as, a, as our own responsibility to become better and in cooperation with the company and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and thriving in this regard. And then there are apparent opposite, which was proclaimed by Zed Shaw. It's the programming motherfucker. Mm. And for, for the sake of not swearing, I will only refer to it as programming MF for the future. <laughs> and there so Zed Shaw said, we are tired of XP, Scrum, Kanban, Waterfall, software craftsmanship, and everything else getting in the way of programming MF. So Zed yeah. Shaw takes it now to the, the pretty much the opposite and, and even has the, the own manifest when they say, I don't know, for instance, they claim to value individuals and interactions. What they really value are tons of billable hours. We fucking do program, programming MF. So he then to some degree seriously uh, contradicts all these other movements or schools. And so this do you know why he came up actually with this idea? Because I think we all know this website. What was his issue with, with Scrum and Kanban and all these very lean techniques? I can understand Waterfall. I can back already said everything which which all these techniques which don't make you really more productive, they are here because we all know it from other um, other industries and so they also put it to development but I mean if you do Scrum if you do Kanban if you really try to to, to follow those principles it should always be helpful for the developer right so why did he think that, that Scrum for example didn't help him anymore because he just wanted to do programming he just wanted to be this rockstar who sits on his laptop and, and, and writes code I don't know if it's about rockstar but I guess there are just people who are not really, who don't really like to communicate so much with other people, but they can be really good contributors to a software development project. And maybe for those people, it's just really annoying to have all these retrospectives and think about what wasn't good and stuff. And maybe they just want, want to have the time to code and maybe not every developer that is can nevertheless be valuable to the project, wants to be a really good team player in all the things that we think that uh, contributes to be a good team player. To be honest, I don't. I think software development is a highly social thing. Right? Yeah, I think so as well. I but think I think a software project never fails because of technical reasons, yeah, mostly, sure, right? Sure. 
But there are people out there that are really good enough at programming and at coding and contributing to to the outcome of the project without being really, really happy about doing so much communication. Maybe it's it's a little bit about this. Then, yeah, but do you think it makes sense? I, I, I totally don't think that this makes sense, to be honest. Right? Why? Because well, what does not make sense? To have people that don't want to communicate yeah, so much? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this makes sense, but I think that people need to learn it or need to need to to get out of the comfort zone and try to communicate more. I think this is just not a good excuse that you say, I don't want to communicate, so I don't do it, right? Because I think if you want to build good software, you need to communicate. That's, yeah. that's one of the key, yeah. key factors. To, I just want to yeah, try to understand what, what could be the origin of this movement. Okay, because I never totally understood it, what he try to do with this programming MF. <laughs> yeah, it, it like doesn't so. really resonate with me as well. So. Yeah. Okay. We already went into the, the in-depth discussion of the questions that I would that I have is, for instance, whether or not the selection of such a school is always a subjective thing. So, per person. Hmm. Do you have a team and, that, and the whole team has to follow this school? Or do you want to have or would you want to allow that the team consists of various followers of various schools? Does it then work out? Does it not work out? Are they compatible? Are, uh, for the most part, extreme programmers would be compatible with the code crafters, I guess. Yeah, but of course not be compatible with a MF guy. But I think for if it's not about the whole time of the day and the whole all the days of a of a period within the project, it could be fine, just to have someone sit heads down doing two days programming MF without talking to anybody and then going back to the team and showing off what what has happened. Uh, I if I the two days is not it's too long. Yeah, okay. Uh, so but okay, but it could be it could be fine if you know the person and you you know he, he can really get something awesome done and it's all clear up front maybe it, it could work out, but it's, yeah, it's but completely it's okay dependent on the project. You can also send it somewhere else, right, where, where it's cheaper to develop. Then you don't need a guy like this sitting around next to you anymore, to be honest, right? Yeah, maybe so, you don't need one, but you have one, and and she can do it. And, and maybe yeah, she, it's fine. I, I cannot see and any benefit in this, in this effort. No, I, I don't want, I want to, want to yeah, advocate for it, but I can see, I could see a team where, where these things can, for for tiny or for, for little periods of time be in parallel. Yeah, I mean, it, it's anyway not changeable, right? Everybody's different in a team and maybe you have in your team who follow this MF stuff. Yeah, but if you say it's not changeable and if I think back at, at being at an Agile conference, for example, you have the feeling or you can get have the feeling there is the one single way where you should behave as a developer, as a good teammate, to be like this and that and, and go to retrospectives and be very open-minded and, and stuff. And yeah, maybe know, it's I, not really all the time with all the people. So I mean, yeah, I think that that's maybe, maybe this could be a reason, right, that also Agile and, and Scrum all this moved a little bit away from development, right? This was... I pop wrote a few weeks a blog post about this, and I think he, somehow it's true what he's writing that all this stuff which came from developers, right? HL was made by developers to make mm -hmm. the, the, the life easier, uh, somehow went to a more project management perspective or a management perspective and isn't really owned by developers anymore, right? Yeah, if you go to want... HL do an hour, you see, I don't know, 15%. Are developers right? The rest is Scrum Master, which is not a bad thing, but which mm -hmm. is something else with a product owner, which are managers, which try to improve the, the company with, with going HL now, right? But it is long ago that really the developers said, We want to do Scrum, right? Because we believe in this. It's more, we now do Scrum to get all the benefits we mm -hmm. can get from Scrum. This and I think be... maybe this is one of the reasons, right? And, yeah. and there's always, again, developers come up with something because they think. We need to improve something, and then it gets washed out after some time. And maybe this this is what I could understand if this program motherfucker comes from this perspective that they say, okay, we don't want to invent the new stuff again. That it's 
overtaken by, by someone else, right? Mm. Maybe we just want to develop and, and let us just do it, right? It's maybe a valid approach. I, I don't know. I, still, I think it's not it's not really valid to say, okay, we should avoid communication, we should just code, and I think this is just yeah. too easy, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. But what was the first one you mentioned? The... the, the, the the extreme programming one, extreme programming one, yeah, exactly. or the well, the classical Rockstar would be the, the historically first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, though okay. it could also be from the simply from from the. But then we have actually actually two right? this this extreme um, this this um, um, programming MF and this Rockstar and more this this crafters and the extreme programming. I think they're mm. somehow similar, right? They they follow the same goal somehow. Mm. Well, I think, as you mentioned, it's a totally subjective thing. It's totally subjective. If you just say a full team of, full of people who want to do the Rockstar stuff, I think it's totally valid, right? Hmm. Maybe, yeah. I would just, it would be really interesting which one performs better, and I think uh, well, for yeah, me at least the answer would you be... You said a team full of Rockstars? Yeah. So where everybody... Isn't that contradicting? Just Rockstars, you need also... Well, band, band players, <laughs> not I, just stars. Well, that, it is, it is, it is viable. I've been in a team with essentially rock stars, where every person had their own, so to say, island of the whole yeah, product exactly. yeah, okay. and only communication like between them. the interfaces. So there was communication in terms of okay, this is what we do. But apart from that, no, hardly anyone interfered with the respective others. Yeah. Like we had various truck factors of one, mm-hmm. regardless of which area. <laughs> so <laughs> this is why I think. The, the, yeah, that's that's what I meant actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the point. So that you have strong code ownership, you know. Yeah. Uh, we need to change it. Then once they say, oh, "Okay, that's my part," it takes about two two hours, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think this is more than. But if if it's working, why not? I think it, it's a team decision, and it should be a team decision. So is so th- which is why then to get to the circle then, which is why I declare them as schools. In terms of, if you think of, I don't know, classical role-playing games and so forth, where you have magic users which follow either the, the more mathematical school of magic or there are other ones who are working with nature magic, they essentially work with magic, though their, their conviction is always a different one, So, which is why I made the relationship with school then. And if we come to the conclusion that it's a very subje- subjective thing and there is no objective classification in terms of this produces better systems or not better systems. Then, well, I mean, there's a question: What is a good system, right? It's a good system where everybody can fix a bug. Or, I mean, at the end, we have to deliver, and I think it's just a good needs to be a good fit for you for your team, right? So I don't see that there is one which is better than the other. It needs to be a good fit for the team, but on the other way, I think more it, the team and the inner workings of the team must be a good fit to the needs of the project and of the customer. And I also didn't want to figure out whether or not some, one would be better or worse than the other. They, they, I'm pretty sure there will be another school coming up in a few years that has, takes a different angle, possibly. Um, I was rather curious about the compatibility and whether or not this is something that you can objectively or rather more objectively um, choose. Like the processes, you can define, okay, this project can be in waterfall because we have defined that we can do this or we can define it from an outside rather objective perspective. Yes, we can do this in an agile fashion or in a true lean fashion, fashion if you will, because we are, we are all on that road with regards to the process. Yet for the on how we do the actual stuff, it now from this discussion it doesn't seem that there is any outside or objective classification that you can do apart from the team, like you said, Paul. The team must work within itself and in cooperation and for the actual product. I mean, maybe there's a could be a classification. I think that's an interesting point. To always find some some. Some rules where where things match. Maybe it's it depends a little bit on the complexity of of a project. I guess right. I would somehow maybe assume it's easier if you have very separated stuff in your project. You can say okay, we have different five different logics. Then you can go more this this road of everybody takes some part of the application, or you have something which is very glued together, right? Where this doesn't even work anymore, and then you need to come up with communication anyway. Otherwise, you will not 
you will not you will not make it I guess right? oh, yeah. I, th so I think I from the sorry. No, no, keep, keep from going. the management point of view one should be better aware of the consequences of having a team working in the direction of rockstar silos or in the direction of a collaborative team with very strong team players I think one has to be aware what it means if you work like this or like this. So, for example, you mentioned the, the bus factor. Mm. So, if that is a problem, and of course that is a problem for every team or for every project, I guess, you might consider this and say, do you want to take this uh, take this risk? Because you see other advantages that outweigh this risk. Mm. Yeah, but maybe then discuss it from this perspective. What do you think is the advantage of, of those two different... Maybe because you you have... So, for example, for, for a Rockstar team, I've never been there and I don't want to be in, in one, but maybe I could think about if you have very, very seasoned employees in this company with this domain, with this customer, they can really deliver in a very smooth way if it's always done the same way more or less I can think it could could work pretty well but on the other hand in a very complex and unknown domain it might not be that good mm -hmm. and I think that's what, what is important to be aware of what are the consequences if doing it like this or doing it like that and then you, management I guess or the, the people that are taking the risk or assessing the risk for the project have to mm -hmm. have to take it into account what do we have do we see this, uh, the problems or the disadvantages as problems for our project and to do something about it change the people change the processes try to to get the rock stars out of the silos into a more collaborative way of working together for example mm -hmm. yeah that's, I think that's a good point yeah so that's to, to come back to this uh, agile conference feeling. Uh, although I really like to work in a more or less agile way, I, I can see that the problem for some people it's not the, the best fit to do it like this. They cannot stand all this talking and they just want to sit there. And maybe we, we should f uh, make the projects in that way that such a person can even be a good contributor to this mm -hmm. uh, to this project. Yeah, I mean, if if it's really not working, you have to, right? If you don't, yeah. I, Sometimes you have to. Yeah. Um, I think Chibi Rainsberg always says this, right? When he started developing, he, he did it because develop computers were easy to understand. Besides these big um, bags of of meat, right? Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> one of, of the reasons. It's uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. So to sum it up, perhaps we have we, we need some diagram and people can design for themselves and, and how far are they on which axis. Then there are these nice diagrams where you can say are a little bit here and a little bit here and then you have these circle diagrams. I don't know how they're called. So thank yeah, you then. Okay, yeah. So this was the fourth episode of Developer Melange. <laughs>